0: listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam.
1: Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 357 and 358. I can barely contain myself. (laughs) We are getting so close to the end of this amazing story, and it just continues to get more and more amazing. And, And when I say amazing, I'm not saying that like someone on The Bachelorette, like, this date is amazing. I'm I'm amazed. Like I'm lost in a maze of story and beauty and delight and I'm like stunned. That's what I mean by amazed. I'm stunned at how beautiful and how connected this story of scripture is and how much my life is interwoven into it. Thanks be to God. Thanks to mm-hmm. Christ. So, I'm excited if you've been I'm excited. If you've been uh, engaging this for a year or maybe you're on a 2-year cycle, whatever you're on, if you are in order here, you are pretty excited, no doubt, uh, with us. So let's get to it. Let's uh, push through to the finish line. woo Old Testament. What's the OT for today, bro? First time I've said bro. Because <laughs> we're brothers now. We're doing it. Our
0: Old Testament reading for today is Ezra, chapter 10, and Nehemiah, chapters 1 through 2.
1: We are in our last OT book. Besides uh, Psalms and Proverbs. But really, Nehemiah, are you serious? But we got to get through the last chapter of Ezra first. Okay, so Ezra just came back as the priest, Mm -hmm. as the um, scribe who knows the word of God, and he finds people breaking God's law in Deuteronomy, chapter 7, where God clearly says, as you go into this land, you can't intermarry. Because then you'll Mm -hmm. bring in all the other gods. And we've seen this play out even in the reign of, at its height, the reign of Solomon. Yes. Who, for political reasons, it just made sense. The people were nice. Whatever the reasons were, he brought in idolatry through marriage. And he did not end well. And I realized uh, Ezra here, by the end of the book, he's really slamming the priests. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So, So the confusion for me was, man this is going to be hard on the whole nation. Like if they've been marrying other people, how are you going to do this? But then I realize, oh, he's saying the priests who've been set apart to not only proclaim God's word, but to example it. The, if the corruption starts at the top, that's a whole, that's an entire, that's an entirely different kind of corruption and it must be cleansed. And yes. so he, that's why in chapter 10, he leads the people to confession and the priests predominantly. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's weeping, he's casting himself down before the house of God, and then all the assembly of men, men women, children, they all gathered out of Israel. So all the people wept because they know this is bad. Hmm. Yeah, so he's just done a corporate
0: confession. All
1: Perfect. the people
0: are gathering around him. A very great assembly of men, women, and children gather to him and recognize his confession and... Cry and like cry with him.
1: So after confession, here's the here's the thing we've seen over and over again. You make confession, but then you dedicate yourself, your sacrifice, mm-hmm. which is God, I want to do better. Right. But then you realize, uh in my strength, I I can't do this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is the right this is the right progression if you haven't caught on to it by now. <laughs> make confession, say you're gonna do better, realize you're too weak to get better, and then receive God's better. His son Jesus Christ, and then Christ, you receive Christ's good works, and He will start to create the right behavior, the things that lead to life in you. And so the the second thing they got to do is separate from their foreign wives. Mm -hmm. But apparently it's raining; it's the rainy season, torrential downpours, and they're like, "Okay, we're all all standing out here."
0: So, well, what happens is uh, a layman shows up to Ezra saying, "Hey, we need, we're ready and willing to divorce." our wives and so to
1: annul our illegal illegal marriages marriages. yes now this isn't a new testament carryover just realize that this is a old testament purifying the land and the people and the nation from which the savior is going to come it's a little different after christ
0: right and it's again the idea is to keep from um following into idolatrous practices because you're marrying into idolatrous families.
1: And so the carryover to the New Testament is you you preferably want to marry a Christian Mm -hmm. because when you unite with somebody through sexual union, which is reserved for marriage, you are combining all the blessings and curses of that person on and into yourself. Yes. Okay. So, uh...
0: Shechaniah comes and he's a layman Uh, in the list that we get Mm -hmm. later in the chapter. He and seven of his brothers had married foreign women. And so he comes as a representative for the lay people saying, we're ready and willing to do this as you lead. And so he makes a proclamation using um, the power that uh, Artaxerxes gave him to gather all the people of Jerusalem, of Judah and Benjamin, actually, to come to the city and have a meeting to figure out what they're going to do. And they have three days to get there. And if they don't get there, they are forfeit all of their
1: land. And all the blessings of being in the priesthood or the people of God. Yes. And so they... There's wise counsel here. There's godly leadership. They gather,
0: but now they're in the rainy season. And so there's heavy rains. Everyone's there. And they're trying to figure out what we need to do. Uh, Ezra is praying and trying to figure it out. And so they finally come to this decision of, okay, let's take some time. Let's let's do this in an orderly fashion. We find out who all the people are who have these marriages and where they're going to come to Jerusalem at the appointed time with their elders and we'll figure out the course of action to take for each one.
1: And so they do. It takes about...
0: like, four months or so.
1: Right, and then the book of Ezra ends with the list of priests who obeyed.
0: So it's a list of priests, singers, gatekeepers, and then lay
1: people. And So it lists about 111 Mm -hmm. illegal marriages that are ended. Yes. And that's how the book ends. Um, And what you come to realize is Ezra has been called and appointed by God as priest and scribe to go and rebuild i'll say the walls of faith
0: Mm -hmm. yes
1: that's it so he's doing the inner work so he goes ahead and it kind of is like the work of christ like Mm -hmm. he changes our hearts and then we'll bring the uh, physical manifestation of heaven on earth Mm -hmm. the new jerusalem and so you have uh, ezra coming doing the work of a priest getting everybody right it ends there but we know the original writings continues, Nehemiah comes, and he's going to do the actual rebuilding of the walls.
0: Yes, so we end Ezra. So originally, Ezra and Nehemiah were one book, and they've been separated uh, now. For
1: the reader's convenience. Yes. Little do they know. But, I mean... No one would read
0: it. And it does make sense, too, because there is a 13-year gap between uh, Ezra's return to Jerusalem and then Nehemiah's return. And so... We now go to Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is still in Susa, and he is serving Artaxerxes as
1: cupbearer. So you can see God is ridiculously committed to a place, to land, to his temple, to his people where he can put his name. So he's risen up these guys, and now he has Nehemiah, who apparently has risen to a position of authority mm-hmm. in Persia, and uh,
0: yeah, and the cupbearer, just so you know, is, like, a very, very high position. Yeah, like
1: advisor, kind of.
0: And then you're also protecting the king. You're like, you're super trusted. Like, the yes. king trusts you with his life.
1: I would call you my cupbearer, man. Yeah, that's okay. fair. Sometimes I think you spit in it. I do. I knew it! Well, the second temple is built in five, six, 516. Nehemiah then starts his job now is in around 445, is circa, it's mm-hmm. about 70 years between the beginning of the second temple or the yeah, cre- yeah. the completion of it. Uh, yes. 70 years. Just to give you an idea, things take time, people.
0: Yes. So Nehemiah is serving in Susa. He's, his brother uh, comes from Judah with a bunch of other guys and, Gets gives, a bad and gives a report to Nehemiah saying, hey, uh, things are not looking good back in Jerusalem. The walls are not rebuilt i mean artaxerxes had uh, the effect of the, the proclamation that artaxerxes made about you're not allowed to rebuild your walls is still in effect mm. and he's like and we have enemies everywhere things are not great and so nehemiah is like i need to do something about this he prays and fasts and then it's i think another three months three months yeah
1: before he actually gets a chance to say anything to the king right and so Nehemiah's name means the Lord is comforted. And what I like about Nehemiah is he has this like energy and sincerity and leadership skills. Um, he's like a layman yeah. up in, up until this point. And so um, God hears his prayers. He gets the opportunity to go before... Um, well, actually, his prayer in chapter 1, verse 5 through 11 is beautiful and worth reading, if we had the time. But it's a great prayer, and it follows in the lines of all the great prayers. It's another corporate confession. yes. Great and awesome is God. Mm-hmm. Like you praise God, and then you go through and you're like, "Please hear our prayer." Mm-hmm. God's like, "Check, I can hear your prayer." And then He's like, uh, "We confess our sins. We've sinned. We've acted very corruptly against You. Not kept Your commandments. Repentance. Check." And then He brings up Moses. Like we yeah. disobeyed Your servant Moses, and so. But remember what you said. You said to Moses, "You would scatter us, but that you said you'd bring us all back." Mm-hmm. And it's so cool to see a layman like Nehemiah. Be familiar and know the the story. Mm-hmm. And that's what we get to do. Like knowing the story, having gone through the Bible, you get to recall things that God did. Like, God, remember the Exodus. Remember this. Remember your word. And he does. And then it ends with, uh, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. Give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. And he was the cupbearer. Yep. Then chapter two, he that's where he gets in front of uh, Nehemiah. Ar- gets Artaxerxes. in front of Xerxes, and um, so he, he's just doing his job. It reminds me of Pharaoh too. Like you're kind of let my people go,
0: right? And
1: again, th- the
0: same um, rules apply. Like with Esther, where you're not allowed to approach yeah. or talk to the king unless he talks to you. Uh, and so again, he hasn't really had a chance, but. There's a great banquet going on, there's a party, he's serving the king his wine, and the king recognizes, what's up, man? Hey, man, you look kind of sad. I'm
1: okay. And he's like, you don't look sick, so something must be troubling you. And then he pulls the old uh, Esther. Yes. He's like, well, yeah, the city of my people is in disrepair, and the walls aren't built, so we've done all this great work, Mm -hmm. you've done it, great king, but... It's all open to being attacked and right. is being, it's under fear and derision. Mm-hmm. So the king's like, okay, I respect you. I love you, man.
0: Yeah. Well, so one of the interesting things, and this is just maybe just interesting to me, it notes that the the queen is with him. Yeah, I made note know that. And so it's either Artaxerxes' wife or it's actually the, um, I can't remember her name, but the, the queen... Was it Vashti? Yeah, Vashti. It's probably Vashti, who... Interesting. uh, Because she does come back, in historical records, she comes back to help with the reign of
1: Artaxerxes, her son. Well, and the role of women in in that leadership was... Mm was uh substantial. And so she either remembers the story of Esther and who yep, knows yep. that the beauty is God's behind the scenes. Yeah. When things look like they're just about to go out, it's like God's mm-hmm. like I got this. There's still hot coals under there. Yeah. And so the king says, "Not only can you go, I'll, I'll definitely Well, he actually
0: go. I love he asks, "Wait, but how long would you be away?" Right. And so Nehemiah actually gives a time. So I forget that Nehemiah is going back to Jerusalem. But with the time, he has a timeline of when he has to get everything done and return. So, kind of keep that in mind that he's given the king his word that he would come back within a certain time. And so, that's
1: why the king even lets him go, because he values him. He wants him around. Well, and then he's smart. Nehemiah is very smart because he says, Well, I do need some things. Mm -hmm. And he says, All right, you can go, but I need letters to the people beyond the river. Mm -hmm. Now, the people beyond the river are the is it the east side of the Jordan, Mm -hmm. not the promised land. And so there's still a lot of enemies all around there. And he gets letters, not only that they're allowed to rebuild the wall, but that they need to do business with him, like Mm -hmm. sell the timber and sell the things that um, that he needs. Because, and at the end of it, it's like, the good hand of the Lord was upon me. And so God's guiding this work for his people. And his enemies right away. So he goes back and there's Sanballat, who represents Samaria. Mm-hmm. And then Tobiah, who's from Ammon, the east of the Jordan. Then there's later there's a king of Arabia, which is kind of all the desert, the chieftains of the desert. These people do not want to see a wall go up because it just means they're going to have more power and they're going to be protected. And you don't yes. want people you can take advantage of. If you're bullying someone, you don't mm-hmm. want them to all of a sudden show up with a, a big older brother who can yes. beat you up. And so they're not liking this. That's just mentioned here, really. Mm-hmm. But then Nehemiah does something really cool. I saw it as he does a, a a nighttime prayer walk. He he evaluates what is the real deal here, and he goes out without anyone knowing to mm-hmm. inspect the ruins of the wall.
0: Yeah, because he's trying to he's trying to make sure everything's in order. He's playing this really smart.
1: Yeah, he's super smart.
0: And so he's just super he's, smart. he's going out in the middle of the night, making as like as inconspicuously as possible and making evaluation, notes, gets all of his information, gets all of the data, and then he uh, approaches the leaders of Jerusalem Yes, with what he's discovered and with the words of the king.
1: That's verse 18, he says, and I told them, after he explains all that what's going on, I told them, of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also... The words of the king had spoken to me. And so he said, they said, let us rise up and build. So he gets everybody like synergistic and like, woohoo, we're going to do this. And then you immediately have Sanballat and Tobiah and uh, Geshem who start jeering. And they're like, what are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Which is what Mm -hmm. Satan always does. He accuses us of being awful even when we're trying to do the things of God. And the last verse we read in chapter 2 Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper, and we, his servants, will arise and build, but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem, which is the issue, Mm -hmm. because they're saying, this is technically ours. I mean, we don't want to put the work in, Mm -hmm. but it's ours, Right. and he says, nope, and my God and the king is behind me. Once again, the testimony of God's working in history, working for the good of his people, sending a prophet and a king, a prophet, priest, and king in Ezra and Nehemiah. Yeah. Praise God. Praise Good God. Good stuff. <laughs> Woo! All right. Now, the seriousness of the New Testament.
0: Our New Testament reading for today is Revelation chapter 14, verse 14 through
1: chapter 16. I would call this section <laughs> the grapes of wrath. Okay. Yeah. All
0: right. So I'm make to, sure that's the
1: title. We just finished a, a scene. So we just finished the third scene from heaven of the end times. We're getting different angles of the revelation, mm-hmm. the apocalyptic literature slash prophecy, which it's good to repeat again. What is the apocalyptic literature It's slash just prophecy? revealing
0: the realities of... Earthly
1: things in a spiritual realm. Right. So, and then the prophecy is that God wins. Mm-hmm. So, we've been playing the same scenes, much like with the um, the Gospels. Mm-hmm. It's the same account of Jesus Christ's earthly ministry. From different angles. From, from four different angles, yes. for different purposes. And right. so, we're getting, actually, we're entering into chapter, uh, the end of 14 and then 16 is the fourth scene. It's the same scene um, that we've been seeing, but... A different angle of the end times.
0: Yeah, and I would actually say it's a culmination of... Because this is the last scene. And so this is a culmination of the previous three scenes. Yes. So be, and I'll, I'll give evidence as to Okay, why. yeah, I'm just saying yes because I don't want to fight with you in front <laughs> of the kids. Okay, so we have we've been we were introduced to the beat the dragon and his two beasts the
1: anti-trinity
0: then we have another scene of the lamb and his hundred forty four thousand the the Christ, elect Christ and his church uh, singing a new song and then we have the three messages counteracting the horrific uh, nature of the three of the three beasts the dragon and the two beasts where it's um the Lord will protect his people mm-hmm. from the dragon. Uh, Babylon, the first beast, will fall. And anyone who worships and listens to the second beast will uh, reap the wrath of God. Right. So now we're getting into the
1: harvest of the earth. So, And we just had basically the victory over the dragon, right? In mm-hmm. this chapter 14. The end of chapter 14 is the three angels. Is this what you're getting to? Like, there's three angels that respond to those three. Well,
0: yeah. So you had the three angels that were responding. And now we get to the harvest of the earth, which is we see one like the Son of Man with a golden crown on his head. Yes. Which, again, is another image of Jesus. This is the glorified Christ. Mm -hmm. And he is told to put in your sickle. He has a giant Harvest sickle, yes, like this is where the image actually of the Grim Reaper originates. Right. Yeah, it's actually Jesus. I know.
1: Well, and there's I have so many little things to say, I'm going to interrupt you a lot today. Yeah, that's fine. So, the golden crown with his harvesting sickle, mm-hmm. which reminds me of a John the Baptist saying the one who he's announcing mm-hmm. Christ's coming, and he goes, He has a winnowing fork in his hand, yes. for chaff and for wheat. Mm -hmm. That's why John's confused, because he's like, Jesus, you're so humble and nice. Mm -hmm. I thought you were coming to do this. Are you the one? And then you think of Jesus saying the harvest is ripe and plentiful. The workers are few. The workers are few. But this is now the final harvest, and it's a a little bit of a different harvest. This is the harvest of God's wrath. Okay. So. It switches on you. It sounds like at first he's harvesting... Because, because there's two. Right. There's two things. There's right? the wheat and then there's the grapes and the grapes are crushed and underfoot with the wrath. So Jesus has his harvest
0: and it says the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. And so he, he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth and the earth was reaped. And that's what, that was Jesus's
1: moment. But you're, these are all, there's three angels that announce each of these. I don't know if you caught that. The first angel comes out of the temple mm-hmm. and says reap. Here's your sickle. The yes. second angel comes out of the temple, and that's that's where he says. Um, but then this second angel has a sh- sickle, so yeah. there's a, now another sickle. Right, and that's the second sickle. The second sickle, and then the angel, and then like that's the second angel. But that is about from the altar. He comes from, or oh, the third one comes from the altar, which mm-hmm. is like the blood of the the, the, the martyrs. S- martyrs are under the altar, right? The blood of, out for judgment, and the blood of Christ is on mm-hmm. the altar. And this is where that angel then announces the wine, the, the vine and the branches. Only this is, at first I thought, oh, this is us. Like, we're mm-hmm. the branches. But no, this is the judgment. So the right. first one, he could be harvesting us Yes, is the announcement. The second one is, okay, here's another sickle for the chaff, yes. maybe. And then he uses... Yes,
0: that's what I was getting
1: at. Because the harvest is all about grain and wine, mm-hmm. right? And so you're getting ready for a big feast. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to harvest. So there's a harvest celebration here. It's just... If you're the chaff, it's not so much to celebrate. So, Jesus,
0: what I see here, and I could be wrong, is Jesus harvests his people, mm-hmm. and then the second angel comes out, and he harvests the grapes, which are then turned
1: into the wrath of God. right? The wine, the cup of God's wrath. And instead of, so instead of the, yeah, and that's what's gonna flow, mm-hmm. to pay for sins. And mm-hmm. We have the blood of Jesus, and this is their own blood essentially mm-hmm. is what this vision's saying. Well then this is where it turns in chapter 15 to a fourth scene of the end times. Again because we start off with seven angels and seven plagues and seven bowls which
0: okay so this Carry is the where wrath, the plagues yeah the yes, bowls are poured out. The, these are the bowls that have just been filled been filled with the wine of God's right. wrath. And they end up doing something that was very similar to what was happening when the seals were being broken. Mm -hmm. But if you remember, when the seals were being broken, only a third of things were affected. Now. But now, in this scene, everything's being affected. Everything. And so now we start to get... Well, because
1: that other scene was from the the perspective of giving the demonic... Mm-hmm. Kind of unleashing, and it was like a third. Right. It wasn't complete. And, this and
0: it wasn't complete, and it was still for the goal of uh, allowing repentance right. and mercy.
1: And you'll see here where in throughout chapter 15 16, ev- after every bowl, it's like they didn't repent. They didn't repent. Yeah. It like the last. Now this is it. This, like, is, this it.
0: is the completeness of God's wrath right. is being poured out onto those who have rejected him.
1: So it's seven angels. Mm -hmm. Uh, It starts off at a sea that is glass and fired. So Mm -hmm. it's still mingled, and the saints are gathered around it singing the song of Moses, Mm -hmm. which reminded me of like the Red Sea after you got through it, and there's salvation and judgment. There's a song, only now it's an ocean, not just the Red Sea, and it's all nations, right? Yes.
0: Yeah, so now we have um, those who've been... uh, Who conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name? They are standing by behind by the sea. They're singing this song and they're worshiping God because they are safe.
1: And the temple then, as a result, the temple opens Mm -hmm. like the sanctuary of God is opening, which is unheard of. Like who can approach God? But it's opening to us. We are Christians. We start to rejoice. And then, like all things, the hope is stirred up, and then, but there's still some evil and judgment that has to be poured out. Right. So Then now, comes the calamity.
0: So now we have seven angels who are given seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God. And it says the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power that no one can enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the
1: seven angels was finished. Right. Everything must be purified. Mm-hmm. So then, the chapter 16, we get into the seven bowls of God's wrath and I, I just um, it's I don't know why I'm surprised by this, but I've been surprised in Revelation. It's just a throwback to so much that happened in the Exodus. Yeah. So the plagues, and so the first plague I, I listed out the plagues for us, Matt. Yes. The first one is painful sores, and it occurs on
0: all those who bore the mark of the beast and right. worshipped his image.
1: And that's what all these are poured out on the mark of the mm-hmm. beast. And the idolatry, the worship of idolatrous worship of the beast. So they get painful sores. That's like the sixth plague in Mm -hmm. Egypt. Then the second angel pours out blood on the sea, killing all sea life.
0: Yeah, and so now all the sea is turned to blood. Instead, before it was a third, but now all of it. All of it.
1: Um, Then the third one is blood again. And these are throwbacks to the Nile Mm -hmm. being turned to blood. Uh, all springs and rivers.
0: Yeah, cause so the first, the third, or the second one is on salt water, and now we're hitting the fresh water. So it's just all waters being all
1: water. And I do feel like the the chaos of the ocean, mm-hmm. like, um, and it is undrinkable. Mm-hmm. But that idea of chaos is being judged. But then all life from the springs, the rivers. This is how you would travel. Mm-hmm. I mean, the river. If you ever read, you know, I think I've said this throughout our year. It's Huck Finn, man. The river is freedom and life. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to be shut down now. Um, oh, and but the with the rivers turn into blood, it's this little phrase about like all the blood of the martyrs. Yeah. This is judgment on people who killed God's people. Yes. And they've killed life. Mm-hmm. And so now uh, the, saints, the saints praise God for this one. So this third plague, all the saints under the altar, from the altar, yeah. are like, thank you, Lord, for vengeance. Like... Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And okay. he's going to pour it out at the right time in his justice and in his mercy. And so they're finally praising God. And then the fourth one, the yeah. sun, my worst nightmare. has a very fair, <laughs> complected person who puts on sunblock all the time. The sun is unleashed and starts burning people.
0: Yes. And the people it burns, they curse the name of God and they do not repent or give him glory. So again, it's to the non-repent unrepentant. Yes. And unlike the the one before when the seven seals, it was a third of it was darkened, but now it's being given power to brighten up and burn. Well,
1: I think it's burning out because the next one's gonna be darkness. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to say this. Hey, everybody, if you want a case for global warming. Everybody's sense about global warming—there's truth to it because the Earth is under a curse. All right. But my solution is maybe—I mean—still take care of the Earth and um, and recycle. But perhaps the sun is going to explode in our faces because of our uh, our willful rebellion against the God of all creation. Hmm. Huh. Anyway, my global warming um, research comes from chapter sixteen of Revelation. Cool. Okay, the next one though is darkness. Yes, a,
0: but it's on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom is yes. plunged into darkness. So now the attack is directly on the government of the
1: beast. Right. And all who are under his reign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're either under his reign or under the reign of Jesus Christ. And they Christ.
0: still curse God and do not repent.
1: Right. Same as in Egypt, same as in uh, with the Pharaoh. Sixth one is the Euphrates dries up.
0: Okay, so yes, I ahead. was doing a little research and actually the the phrase beyond the river is referring to you, the Euphrates
1: just beyond the river oh not just the jordan mm-hmm. the euphrates
0: is the is the boundary line and it's also known as the, the basically the river of life the cradle the cradle of civilization cradle of
1: civilization tigris and euphrates mm-hmm. i used to teach 6th grade geography
0: yeah there you go and so uh, it dries up and it says, in order to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And if you've been engaging the story at all, you'll recognize the kings from the east were always judgments. Yes. <laughs> we're always the kings of the nations who were against God and his people.
1: And- Samaria, Babylon,
0: Persia. Yeah. Uh, everything. Almost. Yes. And so now... But this one's interesting. So, but yeah, because now we see they're gathering up and this kind of is a throwback to, I think it was Ezekiel who had Gog and Magog Mm -hmm. and the idea that all of God's enemies would gather together and rise up against him and march against him. So now this idea is the river's dried up and prepared the way for these evil kings, the dragon, the beast are coming forth to make war against God because they're recognizing their time's over and they're... Making their
1: move now. Making their move, and then the symbolism is that the dragon, the beast, and then the second beast they refer to, to here is the false, false prophet. prophet. So that's the beasts of kingdoms, political kingdoms, and then within the church, like false prophets. And from their mouths come frogs. Three unclean spirits, like frogs. Like frogs, like another throwback to Egypt, mm-hmm. like these pesky frogs that just get everywhere. And so the anti-trinity is w- waging war, but... And then we are protected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we have the mark of God. But it's all going to take place at a symbolic place of war
0: Armageddon. Armageddon. But also known as uh, the m- plains of uh, Megiddo. Megiddo? You got to say it with confidence, man. Megiddo? There you go. Har Megiddo, Mountain of Megiddo. Yeah. Uh, which, again, it's symbolic. It, it, it was an actual place that Solomon had his war horses. Um, and there was a. Battle there that happened.
1: That's all right. We gotta keep going because the Desire. seventh bowl is coming. All right. Anyways. So, okay, so here you go. Here's what I'm noticing in Revelation. Everything is in seven, right? The seven days of creation, also. Mm-hmm. So you got six days where evil is being worked out on the earth and judged, but then the seventh day, God is like announcing and a decisive victory where He mm-hmm. can then rest forever and ever and ever. And so a voice comes from the temple saying, It is done. It is done. And with it comes an earthquake, lightning, rumblings, which is all classic stuff to me because I, I think when Jesus dies on the cross, you remember, yeah. all cre- creative order gets disrupted. So I mean, there Jesus, was darkness. There's darkness and there was earthquake Yeah, and the dead are raised yeah. when Jesus is crucified. And so Jesus says it is finished. His work is finished. And um, there is a time coming when all it's not just going to be for our salvation. It's for all of... The earth, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be finished, and so this is where he drains every bit of that blood that's been shed by humanity yes. in violence and lies and rebellion, and then uh, all creative order is totally undone. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. hundred pound hailstones, but people are still cursing God, yes. So, God's wrath all around creation. Uh, it's basically the Exodus only played out not on a local nation in you know, a time and place. Now mm-hmm. it's going to be the whole earthly scale of it. Yes. And Jesus has already received the judgment on the cross for us. We are safe because of our being marked. Yeah. And that's why baptism is so important. Again, it's we can confess Christ at our baptism or baptized as babies, but we receive the mark. We're sealed. Mm-hmm. And so you don't reject that seal, man. You want to live under that seal and remember your <laughs> baptism and partake the Lord's Supper because when, when all hell breaks loose, the created order is undone. You're safe under that altar, man. You're safe. You're clothed. You have not been one who has worshipped the false image or these um, these structures of, of idolatry. Mm-hmm. All right. And then blessed is the one who endures and keeps the faith. Hopefully, Revelation should be encouraging you at this point. You're seeing the theme. God is going to re-judgment because that's just. And we've said it before. If someone does violence to me or my family, a judge who lets the offender go is not gracious. No. I need justice. Justice is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And God's more than gracious. His wrath is completely avoidable. Praise God. Mm -hmm. Holy, holy, holy. Is the Uh, Lord...
0: So today's psalm is Psalm 146. Uh, This psalm is actually associated with Haggai and Zechariah during the time of the rebuilding of the second temple. And uh, in it are some really cool themes of uh, Jesus' messianic goal. Huh. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in the Son of Man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever
1: fed by ravens go in peace and serve the lord we'll talk to you next time